Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan. Hi, I'm Coco. All right, time to bring this whole Euro versus American style design thing to a close. Mm-hmm. When last we left our august hobby, uh, there was a rather grotesque schism between those who preferred the visceral immediacy of American style games and those who preferred the elegance and purity of the Euro style games. And uh, they were being not very nice to each other. That sounds awful. In a lot of ways. It really was. So we have the people, the sort of like cool, calm, collected strategists. Yep. Who they have their opening moves and then they can anticipate what they're going to do and they will find out very early on in the game if they have been bested or not by their opponent. <laughs> and then we have the American style with sort of specificity and rule and factions and, and, and really, and if you're playing... sense of being there. A sense of being there. Like... Um, yeah, immersion. Yeah, and a, a real strong thematic link between the relationship of what you are doing and why that is related exactly. to the theme that if you're If you playing. need to have one tiny rule that applies in this particular place to make this theme work, then you do it. Right. And a classic example would be, I mean, one of my favorite uh, American style game designs is Dune. I was just going to say, this sounds like you're about to talk to me about the Benny Deseret. There's really nothing for it. But yeah, sure. There's one particular player who gets to write down a number and the name of one other person. If that player wins on that turn, that person wins the game. It's a ridiculous rule, or at least it would be a ridiculous rule in any other game. But in this particular American style game, it makes perfect sense because that's what the Benny Deseret do. They yeah. are the puppet masters. And yeah. you should feel nervous when they're trying to help you. Yes. <laughs> But that's it. You have that sense of immersion that you're talking exactly, about. Exactly. Exactly. You feel that sense of not only being in this place, but of being this person, mm-hmm. uh, but of being part of something. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the words that are sort of synonymous with these. When I say, if I stay, if I say strategy, mm-hmm. does that inherently make it a Euro? Nope. Right. Absolutely okay. not. Because strategy is inherent to the war games. Like, uh, I mean, risk is mostly about negotiation, mm-hmm. but you have to come to those negotiations with the strategy of what you're trying to accomplish right. Right? when you're persuading people to do this. Right. Axis and allies. You know, these mm-hmm. are, are the, these these are games that involve putting together a strategy and making it work. Mm-hmm. That strategy is going to be a bit more at the mercy of the decisions of other players and of the role of the dice than it would be in a Euro game. Right. But it's still a strategy. Okay, so, and you, you also couldn't say heavy or light because there are heavy Absolutely. strategic American games and heavy strategic Euro games and any sort of, like, realm in between. Yep, and there are lighter examples of both as well. Of course. I mean, uh, Dungeon, with an exclamation point, for example, otherwise known as Baby's First Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> plays kind of like the game of life, only you're a wizard or a fighter and you mm-hmm. instead of making mortgage payments you kill monsters and get treasure mm-hmm. uh, it's a very very light game but it's unquestionably an american style design so we're seeing like an interaction or negotiation related mechanic might be more american style mm-hmm. and uh and a sort of like acquisition and opportunity um opportunity maximization yeah, supply chains Euro style. um you know, uh, you know systems mm-hmm. optimization are there so those are mechanics that live in sort of one or two camps are there like physical components that tend to live in one or two camps? Oh, like- yes. The, 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 the wood versus plastic divide. Oh, good. Uh, Euro games will have lots and lots of wooden cubes mm-hmm. in different colors that represent whatever the hell you need them to represent. Okay. Uh, in one game, they might be people. In another game, they might be plants. In another game, they might be money. In another game, they might be clothes. It, it Coal or, yeah, yeah. Absolutely anything. Okay. Uh, whereas in American-style games, it's those little plastic army people that you're looking for. Okay. And so... Uh, and, and plastic figures, in a lot of cases, were, were sort of a, an emblematic of this, especially mm-hmm. if they were figures of dragons or wizards or what have you, spaceships. Right. So in the Euro style, my cube can represent anything. And in an American style, I am liable to have a little dragon that represents a dragon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay, wait, wait, wait. But now, 
So, okay, I I have to confess that I have just learned Lords of Waterdeep, which I have... Welcome. I know, it's wonderful. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Okay, so my first instinct is American, because Dungeons and Dragons, because (laughs) tabletop gaming, because blah, 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 blah. My second instinct, though, is Euro, because tiny cubes with different colors that do different things that you, like, have to acquire them, and then they become other things, Mm -hmm. like victory points later in the game. But then... I'm taking away opportunities from my opponents mm-hmm. by placing my water deeple on different spots <laughs> on the board. But I'm thank also... you for that term. I'm going to use it all the time when I'm playing that game. Now <laughs> I have to confess that's a Scott. That's a Scott borrow. <laughs> um, but I also have. There are certain cards and interactions that I can do that actively take away resources from other players. So I have these Euro elements and these American elements and. I really, really love that game. Waterdeep, Jonathan, what kind of game is it? Waterdeep arose during a time when hybridization was very much on the rise, and that trend is still continuing. Okay. People have decided, why do we have to have boring games about trading cloth and spices in the Mediterranean? And why, do we, why does the outcome of a game always have to be random and have a zillion rules that I have to memorize? Mm-hmm. Why can't we have exciting experiences with compelling themes that put us in that place that also have elegant, simple, clever mechanics that allow people to interact directly or indirectly, why can't we have the best of both worlds? Porcano Los Dos, Jonathan. So exciting! So Waterdeep is, is, is a good sort of early example of this, mm-hmm. because it is very much a worker placement game in the vein of something like Agricola. No matter what game you're playing, right. it gives you a chance to immerse yourself a little bit more in this. Mm-hmm. And that brings it more towards the American School of Design. Yeah. But more importantly is the other thing you mentioned, those intrigue cards yeah. that you can play on the other players to do stuff to them. Yeah. That's something that you don't find in Agricola, or yeah. indeed in any of Avery Rosenberg's games that I can think of off the top of my head, yeah. or indeed in any of these more purist Euro style games yeah. because that's direct interaction if I can do something directly to you yes. then that means you might lose not through any fault of your own right. you might lose because the other players all decided that they don't like you and they're going to take you down now I'm a fan of this mm-hmm. because I prefer to play a game knowing there's a chance that anybody could win even right. if somebody's better at it than the others I like a bit of direct interaction in my yeah. games that's why I like Lords of Waterdeep more than, Agric- more than Agricola mm-hmm. or indeed more than just betting another worker placement game out there. Mm-hmm. Those intrigue guards, they make it. That introduction of a little bit of American-style direct interaction, mm-hmm. to me, elevates it mm-hmm. by combining the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So hybridization sounds like it's a, a, sort of a modern thing in the gaming world. It's a relatively new thing, but it's in full swing. It's, uh, there there yeah. are so many games out there these days mm-hmm. that are dipping into all these different traditions. So talk, talk to me about like modern mechanics then, because drafting... Like with with Dominion is a relatively new mechanic. Where does it fit in in this sort of in the genre? Well, drafting as in as in Dominion. Dominion's yeah. a very much a Euro style game. There's nothing yeah. you can really do to affect the other players except with the occasionally atta- attack card, which affects everybody evenly. Uh, mm. the, the interaction in Dominion largely is indirect, and the theme is largely absent. Mm. So it's it's both. It's basically just I play a village, which means I can uh, draw card and play an extra couple of actions. And I guess that's something that I have a, a real difficulty with when we talk about theme versus no theme, because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, the theme is there. I have a village. I have my people in my village mean that I have more food or whatever it is. Like I draw extra stuff because there's more people there. I don't know. One like, of my problems with Dominion is that I really don't feel like I'm running these provinces. I don't feel like I'm in charge mm-hmm. of, of a duchy. Here's the thing, though. Deck building 
is an extraordinarily useful mechanic mm -hmm. for creating something that grows and develops over time. Yeah. Uh, so you take something like, for example, legendary and alien deck building game. Yeah. Over the course of a game, your character is going to get more powerful because they get yeah. help from more and more people. Yeah. And they get access to more and better abilities. Yeah. And that hive deck is going to continue to send more and more unpleasant things your way and mm -hmm. you're going to feel the pressure mm -hmm. mounting. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it's a European-style game mechanic, but it's in the service to American-style immersion. Okay. And so it's getting harder and harder to see the distinction between the two mm -hmm. unless you trace them back mm -hmm. to their origins. Right. Or like Inish. Where you have your yes. you're drafting in your deck building, but you're also like moving your dudes onto the other dude's spot and taking away their stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a direct attack, but I also have I'm trying to build my resource machine. That whole series from Madigo Games, uh, Inish, Kemet, and Kiklades, mm. they all are, I think, excellent examples of these aggressive sort of hybrid games. They're bright, they're colorful, they're mm -hmm. immersive. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. They 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 do uh, they they really give you a sense of what's fun about this setting mm -hmm. and there's lots of direct interaction you yeah. are punching each other in the face the yeah. whole time but always using very simple elegant rules mm -hmm. which still give you agency and control and this it's 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 really really hard to say where they fall on that spectrum mm -hmm. i'm thinking about just madigo really knocked it out of the park for me in the last couple of years i just like still love playing raptor uh, for for example, but that, another great again, example, right? You know that the cleanness and the elegance of a European style game design yeah. with ripping and tearing and running and screaming and setting things on fire, right? Where the same the same sort of rule rule skeleton applies to both factions, you could say. I mean, factions being the scientists and the dinosaurs, but the same <laughs> skeleton applies to both. You have the same, I pick up a card, I do a thing with a card, blah, 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 but then... And yet, it feels different. Yeah, it does. Playing as the yeah. scientists, you get to feel cool because you can set things on fire. And mm -hmm. playing as a dinosaur, you get to feel cool because you can eat people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, new mechanic of drafting is there. New mechanic of co-op games. How do we talk about co-op games here? Okay. So this is an interesting one. Cooperative, in my opinion, belongs to neither of those mm. and both. Um, generally speaking, they tend to be hybrids because mm -hmm. co-op games came into the spotlight and became a big deal thanks to pandemic yeah. at around the time when hybridization was also starting to come into vogue. Right. As a result, it feels like it belongs equally okay. to both of those two traditions. Right. Uh, you trace it back a little bit farther. You get something like, uh, it gets even more confusing because years before pandemic came out, we had the Lord of the Rings board game by Reiner Knizia. Yeah. This was a cooperative game where the players are the hobbits yeah. trying to take the ring to Mordor yeah. and survive the whole way. Yeah. And it was fully cooperative, mm -hmm. and it didn't set off a vogue for cooperative games. But here's the thing. But didn't it, wasn't it super difficult? Like super complicated? Uh, it was fairly complicated for what it was. No more so than something like Pandemic with a couple of expansion sets. And once okay. you get to close to the end of a game of Pandemic Legacy, yeah. uh, there are a lot of rules going on there. Okay. And Lord of the Rings was about comparable to that. Okay. But it wasn't so much that the rules were complicated as that there was a lot of text. There were a lot of things that could happen. Okay. There are all these American-style exceptions 
to what was going on. And, and these were printed on the board. Exactly. Because in order for uh, walking across uh, Shelob's lair to feel different from walking across Mordor or the mines of Moria or right. Helm's Deep, uh, there had to be different bad things happening when mm. you drew that sundial token indicating that time marches on, events mm. take place, and the forces of darkness are advancing toward their victory. Ultimately, the distinction between American and European style game design is slowly disappearing mm-hmm. into history. And I, I just think with that, the definition of elegance is changing because with in early euro games you would say elegance is a simple rule set that is sort of the same like a simple rule set is an elegant rule set is an elegant mathematical operation Mm -hmm. where now i would say an elegant game design is one that that tells the story really effectively with a simple rule right wherein i so this i'm talking about pandemic dice game because i really really love it (laughs) but like the where certain certain types of disease are more likely to fall on certain geographical areas, mm-hmm. that's that's just a rule that's represented on the board. It's quite explicit, but the geographical area represented tells a story about the world we live in. Absolutely, about, like it's harder to treat disease in certain places because funding, like. It's a different application of yeah. what elegance can mean. Yeah. Not, not only can it mean creating a complex decision space using yeah. a small amount of rules, it can also mean evoking um, an immersive world yeah. through a relatively simple set of cues. Yeah. So are you now with... Okay, so we had our factions of you know Euro lovers and American lovers. <laughs> I might be a hybrid lover. Do I get to fight now with people who don't like hybrid games? Honestly, I think the fight is pretty much over. Because every um, every new games are almost all going to be hybrids. Now you're saying not all, not almost all of them, but almost everyone that does come out is going to f- people from from either side of what used to be this conflict will find something to like right within these. So they've kind of come back to the table again together right and are able to play again as friends and opponents and teammates. Wow! And so the story really does have a happy ending so far. So far. We don't know what could come Until along. the next thing comes What's up. What's the next schism? Yeah, you know. There, for a while, it looked like the question of whether or not uh, board gaming apps were going to be something that would divide people, those mm-hmm. who refuse to allow electronics at the tabletop and those who don't. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows where that's going to go. I have spent the last couple of weeks playing a fair number of board game apps at a board game bar <laughs> and received like not a small amount of flack for it. So it might just be... But maybe if you're just a giant jerk who brings an iPad to a board game bar, maybe that's the one thing. But like, <laughs> I think... I don't know. We'll see how that shakes out. Either way. So there is peace. There are really, really elegant games being designed that incorporate the best of both worlds. And uh, there are also still glorious throwbacks to right. their respective types. There are games that uh, that absolutely cast by the wayside European-style design mm. in favor of American-style excess. Right. There are games out there that uh, that defiantly embrace their abstract and uh, uh, and clever Euro nature. Mm. And vive la différence. Right. You know, everything is better as a result of all of these different things being here together. Sweet. Oh, so whether it's Euro or Ameritrash or Amerithrash or hybrid <laughs> or whatever... Just or designs from anywhere else in the world, which are also beginning to yeah. uh, to show their own colors, which we can get into as well some other time. Yeah. So play board games with your friends is what I'm hearing. That's what it comes down to. Yay, friendship is magic. <laughs> Thanks for having me this week, Jonathan. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed the conversation. I feel like we should address, uh, for those of you at home, if you're worried about Emily's absence, she just hasn't been available to record. It's not like I've murdered her. No. I love Emily a lot, cool, and cool, she'll too. be back soon. She did not murder Emily, it's true. Thank you so much for listening. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com. The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the Snakes Cast are those of the presenters and our guests and no one else's. See you next week. 